hope was born. Man, my name's David. Welcome to Whitewater. What a wonderful season that we are in. Yesterday, I was around for a little bit, and I know this happened Friday too. It was our Toy Store weekend, and more is coming today as we kind of push Toy Store out and bring hope into some others too. But if you participated in Toy Store, maybe you bought a present, maybe you volunteered, would you just raise your hand? We want to say thank you. Thank you for giving. Amen. Look at that. God worked through your work. Thank you. And like, this is a season of receiving. Like, we're going to talk about what we received today, but this is a season of giving. And because of that, you gave, and there's more. In fact, if you want a good definition of following Jesus, you know what it is? Giving. <laughs> it really is. Not just money, but thank you for that. So we are currently waiting in wonder at Whitewater, and we welcome you. Now, you try to say that fast three times. We're waiting in wonder at Whitewater, and we welcome you online or in the room here. We've been looking at some key biblical historical characters in the Christmas story as they all waited for hope to arrive. And JT and I have been talking about the value of waiting, but the art of waiting is hard to do. Two weeks ago, we saw some kings and we talked about worship versus worry, and I hope you're leaning more into the worship and less uh, into the worry. Then last week, JT focused on the shepherds, and we talked about praise versus pride, and I hope that you are into the praise and not the pride. And that leads us to the character that revolutionized what it was to truly love a woman. His name was Joseph, and today we want to talk about the difference between having character and just living a convenient life. Character versus convenience. I have a question for you. How many of y'all have friends that like to borrow things from you? Could I see your hand? Your chuckle tells me the answer to my next one. How often do they bring it back? How often we borrow things? I've been studying the Christmas story and really the life of Christ, and you know what I've discovered? Jesus borrowed many things in life. Think about it. He borrowed a manger, a place to be born. He borrowed a lunch to be eaten, and then he multiplied it. He, he borrowed money to pay his taxes. Some of us have been right there. Wouldn't we like to be able to go catch fish and the tax money is in the fish's mouth? Man, I want that. He borrowed a donkey to ride into Jerusalem on. He even borrowed a tomb to be buried in that wasn't his own. And today, as we continue this Christmas series, what I want to show you is we see that Jesus even had to borrow a dad, a temporary earthly dad. His dad's name, his earthly father was Joseph. And what a father, what a man he was. Little is known about Joseph. I've been doing a deep dive on Joseph this week, historically, biblically. But one thing we do know is how much he loved Mary and how much he loves Jesus. And he decided to choose character over convenience. He chose commitment at a higher level than what was uh, just uh, what most other men would have done. Let me read through his story, Matthew 1.18. And I'm going to give you three characteristics here in a moment about why his character was so great. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. This is the true Christmas story. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, 
But before they came together, before they were intimate sexually, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, that phrase, (laughs) that turn of a phrase right there says a lot. He wanted to be faithful, yet he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. So he had in mind to divorce her quietly. More about that word divorce in just a moment. But after he considered this, and don't you know he considered this? <laughs> Any man here would consider this, this situation. But, but after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. I love this. Joseph, you know, God said to him, God has not cheated you. That's probably how he felt. God has chosen you. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And this is one of the reasons we know that Jesus was a historical act. The Bible's true. The prophecies concerning Jesus coming true were written thousands of years before he appeared. This is what said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's God with skin on. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as, a, as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Jesus. Now, to better understand the dynamic described here, I think it would be helpful for just a moment for us to talk about the three stages in a Jewish marriage, and you'll appreciate more what Joseph and Mary did and what Joseph did in particular. The first stage uh, in their day, in their culture, was the engagement stage where the parents arranged the marriage. They said, here's our girl, there's a guy, I think that looks like a good guy. Which, if you have little kids, is not such a bad idea to arrange a marriage. I'm just saying right now, that may be something our culture might embrace. Other cultures have, by the way. Inwan and Sukja Kwan are family friends, and they're long-term missionaries in Seoul, uh, South Korea. And when they were growing up, their parents followed what was in their day the custom of arranging marriages through what they called a go-between, which is basically a matchmaker. You would pay the matchmaker to find, if you were the father of a woman, you would pay the matchmaker to find a good husband. And Sukja's father paid a fee to get a husband for her. My friend Inwan was in law school when they got married, but soon felt the call of God to be a pastor. (laughs) So he quit law school, which initially did not make Sukja's father very happy. He said, I paid a lot of money for her to marry a lawyer. I could have got a preacher for nothing. That's what. (laughs) But it all worked out. That's the engagement period. They did that. They had uh, arranged marriages. But then the second stage was the betrothal stage where they were pledged to be married. This is the stage that Joseph and Mary find themselves in right here in Matthew 1. This betrothal stage lasted for one year, and during this time, the betrothal stage, you were considered married in every single way, except you didn't sleep together, no sexual intimacy. In fact, to get out of this betrothal, you had to get what they called in the day a certificate of divorce, 
Which is why it says that Joseph had in mind to divorce her quietly. Even though they weren't technically married, still had to get a certificate of divorce. Then the third stage, which is true of our day, was the wedding itself, which was quite an elaborate deal. Days of celebrating, drinking, dancing, much like some of y'all are behaving right now at Christmas. But a lot of that stuff was going on with the wedding. So as we take a closer look at the verses I just read, three attributes just popped out to me that Joseph possessed that illustrated his character was greater than the convenience of the moment to choose other options. It's why he says, it says here he was a righteous man. As I speak through these qualities of Joseph, I would ask you, especially men in particular today, we'll talk about Mary, JT will talk about Mary next week, but men in particular, I would ask you as we, as I go through these Ask yourself, do I have these same characteristics, these same qualities of character? Number one, I see from our text here and other writings that Joseph was sensitive. He was sensitive and loving to Mary. He wasn't like an Archie Bunker type guy. Some of y'all remember all in the family. I may be dating myself a little bit. I remember in one scene, Archie said to his wife, Edith, if I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. Okay, that's not Joseph. He was not rough and domineering. I think he was tough, but I think he was tender. It says here he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, and he could have punished her, but he didn't. He could have withheld his love and affection, but he chose not to. He stuck with her, and I, 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 you know this has happened. He believed in her no matter what his other macho buddies in Jerusalem had to say. And you know they said something. Any guy that has his bros that he hangs out with, hey, uh, Joseph, I mean, put yourself in Joe's sandals for a moment. Hey, Joseph, hey, buddy, I hear uh, Mary's got a bun in the oven, whatever the phrase they decided to use back then. I hear she's pregnant. Yeah, she's pregnant by God. The Holy Spirit made her pregnant. <laughs> yeah, right. Can you imagine? It's never happened before. It's never happened since. Think about the faith, the ridicule, but the faith in God that Joseph had in not only Mary, but in that angel in that dream. See, Mary was a different kind of virgin than he bargained for. But don't you just know, as it often does today, the gossip and the chatter was flying, especially from those who say they believe in God. We're so quick to judge and to criticize and be so self-righteous until it happens to us. I mean, this is National Enquirer Jewish TMZ stuff right here. But you can tell a lot about a man by looking about how, how he treats a woman and his wife, especially when they're vulnerable. And I think Joseph demonstrated remarkable love, remarkable sensitivity. I also think he demonstrated remarkable sensitivity and self-control with Mary by remaining abstinent sexually. Did, did you remember what Matthew 125 said? He did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. This is newlywed. Some of y'all, that's, that's what you're looking forward to. That's why you got married to begin with, going to honeymoon. Lots of consummating going on there. That one in my notes. Maybe it won't be second service. Anyway. Yet he showed restraint. He stayed abstinent. Even after marriage, 
He was patient. Man, I, I, I think we could learn a lot, at least in my life, I could learn a lot from Joseph about patience, about sensitivity to our wives. Our nation, our community needs more Joseph men. Our homes need more men like Joseph. Our church needs more men like Joseph. So how sensitive are you to your wife, to your girlfriend, to the women around you? See, his character caused Joseph to courageously and faithfully face the situation. The convenient thing would have been to walk away. And some of you know men and women who have walked away. We, some of you know men who've just walked away when the woman is most vulnerable. The thing about God and the thing about godly men is you walk toward the person. You walk toward the problem. You don't run away from it. But he had no second thoughts of raising a child not his own. We don't read that here. No hesitancy about helping a pregnant woman, which is a challenge for most men. Now, I'm going to get maybe in some deep water here, so I'm going to try to guard my words carefully. Ladies, we love you, but you know, right, it's not easy to be the husband of a pregnant woman. She likely had morning sickness, cravings for Jewish pickles, maybe chocolate-covered. He would have been willing, I believe, this sensitivity correlated, he would have been willing to listen patiently as she went into all the feminine details that guys tend to zone out on after a moment. Ladies, you know, you've seen it as you start to talk and that glazed look appears in his face. He's hearing, but he's not listening. And we don't didn't even mention the help that this wonderful woman Mary would have needed on an 80-mile trip with no car, no heated seats, <laughs> no GPS, no cell phone, no Spotify playlist. He is very sensitive to everything that she needed and wanted. And boy, he chose that characteristic. But Joseph, I think, also proved his character because not only was he sensitive to Mary, he was submissive to God. I found this interesting as I read the text again. As I glance through it, I see that Joseph obeyed God multiple times. In fact, I read at least five times in the New Testament that God told Joseph to do something, and he did it completely, faithfully, all the way, all five times. God told him to marry her. He did. God told him to flee to Egypt. He did. God told him to come back to Israel. He did. God told him to go to Nazareth. He did. And when he named the child Jesus per the instructions, once again, he was faithful and submissive. See, usually in their day, sometimes true in our day, but definitely in their day, when a father named the firstborn son, who did they name the son after? Themselves. His name should have been Joseph. Uh-uh, not here. You shall name him, and they gave him the name Jesus. And naming kids can be challenging. Everybody, this young couple hadn't picked a name yet, and they went into the delivery room, still hadn't picked a name, and the baby was born, and after the doctor delivered the baby, they said to the doctor, hey, we haven't picked a name. What do you think we should name this kid? And the doctor said, Theophilus. He said, Theophilus? So why is that? Because that's Theophilus kid I've ever seen. Anyway, that... <laughs> I know that was bad, but some of y'all are going to be telling that at your Christmas party this week. You know you... Think about this, Joseph fa fathered a child intentionally not his own. Sometimes a father raises a child not his own, he doesn't know it. 
The formal term is paternal discrepancy. That is unique. But Joseph did know it wasn't his child. It was God's child. So imagine how unique, being a new dad. I mean, there's not a lot of dad classes out there. Being a new dad is unique and stressful. Think about how unique and stressful it would have been to raise the person you know is the son of God. <laughs> a little extra pressure, wouldn't you think? Stepdads in blended families, they can be difficult to navigate, but imagine raising God in human form. I got questions. Like when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Joseph, did you make him do his chores? Did you enforce a curfew? Did you ever have to spank Jesus? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to be laying hands on somebody that could lay hands on me. <laughs> Did they discipline him? <laughs> Someone said Mary and Joseph are the only parents who could have legitimately said, just wait till your father gets home and really mean it. <laughs> Author Max Lucado has a couple other questions he wants to ask Joseph someday. Did it feel weird teaching him that he himself created the world? Did Jesus ever come home with a black eye? And what'd you do about it? Did young Jesus say anything when he hit his finger with a hammer in your carpenter shop? Whenever Jesus saw a lamb being led to the slaughter, did he act differently? Mm. Joseph was submissive to God in unbelievable ways. He obeyed him. And I have discovered after quite a few years of ministry that obedience is the sign of allegiance. And Joseph showed his true character. I have come to understand after watching me and you that the only part of the Bible you really believe is the part you actually do. Joseph actually believed God enough to act on it. He understood his role and humbly embraced it. In fact, over in Luke chapter 2, it says that Joseph and Mary did everything required by the law of God. In spite of his previous plans for his wife and his life, he was submissive to God. Now, those of us in the room who are type A, Enneagram 8s, any of y'all strong-willed folks, we don't like anybody telling us what to do. We don't like anybody interrupting our plans, even God. <laughs> it's hard to be submissive when you've already decided what God's supposed to do. And it's even harder to trust God when it's risky, when there's a price tag, when it doesn't make sense, when it's never been done before, when others won't understand. And I guess that's why I'm so stinking proud of so many of you who are like Joseph and Mary in submitting to God and stepping out to live on mission for the one on your streets, on your, in your schools, in your companies. You're going into that zone of the unknown. You're trusting God for stuff that's never been done, and it's a little risky, but you're obeying him in faithful, prudent risk and trust. I mentioned to JT and several other leaders that last Sunday was a special Sunday around here. Not many people noticed. We didn't make a big deal about it, but it's a pretty big deal for some of us who were here. It was the 14th anniversary of us opening phase one here. I want to show you a picture of what it looked like on December 2nd, 2007. <laughs> That's what it looked like over in phase one, where the students are now doing such a great job. A lot has changed. 
A lot has changed. Look at this young whippersnapper stud of a guy right there. And I still got that move with my hand when I preach it, like the claw. I look back at that picture and I reflect on the sacrifices that many, many, many paid back then. And some in that picture are no longer with us. They're celebrating Christmas in heaven and have been for some time. A huge dream realized 14 years ago. My, how quick it went. We had 1,034 in attendance. We thought we were big time. Never had over 1,000 before. Now, unfortunately, we dropped to 700 the next week. But anyway, uh, all the tourists left, which is not a bad thing any December. Mm. By the way, next Sunday is five years since we opened this holy sacred space we're in now. Can you believe that? Five years ago, we were right here next, next Sunday. And one of the things that I kept saying and we kept saying 14 years ago was this, let's do something so big that if God's not in it, it's doomed to fail. And we did. And he did. And I want to tell you the best news of all. This church's best days are not in the past. They're ahead I happen to know because I'm in those rooms, JT and our leaders, we're still dreaming big. He's still asking God to show up and show off. But faith-filled risk in order to do whatever it takes to reach lost people, not just to gather, but to scatter, that's a thread that runs deep through the history of this church. And it's also a thread that weaves itself into the tapestry of the Christmas story. Doing what you have to do, not because it's convenient or it feels good, but doing what you have to do for the benefit of others. We exist, friend, in this church for people who are not yet here. Never forget that. we got to continue to move out of the holy huddle of the already convinced and move into the zone of the unknown and trust God yet again for the people Jesus came to save. Well, Joseph was sensitive to Mary. He was submissive to the father. Last, I noticed as I read through all of the accounts of what Joseph did, we see that Joseph was supportive of Jesus, very supportive of Jesus, which I'm hoping that you will be too. I just made a list of the ways that he supported Jesus. He protected Jesus for multiple times from Herod as well as Herod's son. Joseph and Mary went and dedicated and presented Jesus uh, to in the right righteous order in their custom and presented him at the temple, had him dedicated there. Many of you have had children dedicated. In fact, let me show you Luke chapter 2. I just want to spend a couple minutes here as we wind down. There are two snapshots here that I think really capture the heart of Joseph and Mary, but Joseph. And one of them was when he was presented at the temple. And I want you to notice we've been talking about waiting, wonder and waiting. I want you to notice another guy that was waiting. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph, there's our guy, and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. Now remember that guy, Simeon. He was righteous and devout. And what was he doing? He was waiting, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. 
That describes what I hope all of us are doing. We're waiting for the consolation. We're waiting for Jesus to show up and show off, and the Holy Spirit is on us. It had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Think about that promise. I'm going to keep you alive till you see. And don't you know, as you get a little older, you start looking forward to heaven. <laughs> you got more friends there than you got here, and you kind of start to look, look forward to a new body. This older man, Simeon, waiting, waiting every day, looking in the temple courts, waiting. Is it today? Is it today? God said, you won't die until you see the Lord's Messiah. And moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying this, which, by the way, is a little weird. If you're a new parent and you got a baby and this strange old man comes up and said, let me have that kid, I don't know. But notice they even submitted to that. He took him in his arms and praised God saying, sovereign Lord, as you have promised, God always keeps his promises. As you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. And this would have been a shocking statement because they thought the Messiah was just for the Jewish nation. Of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. That's probably most of us here. And the glory of your people, Israel. And notice this summary statement. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. They marveled. Simeon was waiting. Joseph was marveling. Imagine the wonder in the waiting. Now, Joseph also supported Jesus in unbelievable ways beyond what I've just mentioned. He was supportive of Jesus through his trade. So Joseph's trade was a what? Carpenter, which became Jesus' trade. And through that carpenter, he provided for and supported Jesus too. Jesus uh, eventually learned that same thing. I, I did a little survey on Google of all the paintings, of all the pictures of Joseph and Jesus as carpenters. Uh, if you got some downtime and you want to look at it, it's fascinating to see people's concepts of it. Let me show you a couple that I saw that uh, stood out to me. I thought, man, that's a cheerful look. There's Joseph. Most people think he was a little older, but no one knows. Joseph and Jesus. Let me show you another one. Here's another painting from a long, long time ago of Jesus learning the trade of Joseph. I also found this picture too. Now, I think that's Jesus and not Joseph. Kind of buff Jesus. <laughs> Some of you ladies are saying, that, that's what my Jesus looks like. <laughs> and then I saw this one, it made me think. You see the shadow of the cross. Wonder as he was working with wood if he, if they ever fashioned a cross for someone else, knowing it would be his one day. Fascinating thing about the word carpenter that the Bible uses, it's the word tecton, which often meant wood craftsman, but in a, fascinatingly, I found out that it can also mean tecton stone mason, because most carpenters back then also worked with stone. Which makes the prophecy about Jesus even more profound when it says that Jesus was the stone 
the builders rejected. The chief stone, the cornerstone. And back to Matthew 2, one final glimpse, a snapshot. If you really want to know, I think, Joseph's heart, after he appears to Simeon and after he, another woman, Anna, comes on the scene and was waiting to see Jesus, here's really the last account of uh, the, the last time Joseph appears on the cosmic stage of God. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he, Jesus, was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Jesus got, you know, he's a little mischievous. I don't know if that's sinful, but he's a 12-year-old kid. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. And then they, Joseph and Mary, began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. <laughs> Any of y'all ever lost a kid even for a minute, an hour? Check out how long they were looking for him after three days. Don't you know they were ticked off and beside themselves? Had to be, wouldn't you? I mean, they lost the son of God. <laughs> after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. Not only that they found him, I think, but where they found him. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Any parent ever said that to your kid? Son, daughter, why are you treating us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. I think Mary spoke up first because Joseph was ticked off. I can't, I can't prove that. goes against my thesis of his character, but I don't know. Why were you searching for me, Jesus asked. Now listen to this statement. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. How could that? Now think about the blow to Joseph's ego when it finally dawns on him. He's not talking about my house. He's talking about another father's house. He had to let Jesus go. He was supportive of his true father. Then Jesus, he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. So all of you children, this is what you need to know. Be obedient to your parents. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus, this is what we want the goal to be for all of us. Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. Think about this scene from Joseph's vantage point. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And even though that was a blow to his ego, even though he fully didn't probably understand, Jesus grew as Joseph continued supporting, providing, enabling the whole ministry of Christ to begin on just a, such a fertile, stable foundation. Even Jesus waited in wonder for his public time of ministry to come. So I have a final message for you today, online or in person. Never underestimate the difference a dad can make, even a borrowed one, even a temporary one, if that one dad shows character over convenience. And when you look at the life of grown-up Jesus, 
you'll notice that Jesus, this is fascinating, Jesus had the same dominant traits that Joseph exhibited. It really was like father, like son. Think about it. Jesus was sensitive to Mary, his mother, even on the cross. Jesus was submissive to God the Father. Jesus was supportive of the church, his body, and protected and resourced her. Where did Joseph, where did Jesus learn all these things? He learned them from Joseph. From God the Father, sure, but Joseph, his earthly father. And from this point on in the biblical narrative, Joseph basically disappears from the pages of the Bible. Most scholars think he died soon thereafter. No one knows. Doesn't matter. Joseph fulfilled his role in the cosmic redemptive saga and drama of the world. My question for you is this. Have you fulfilled yours? Have you been sensitive, submissive, supportive with the word of God, the son of God? Will you today, male or female, choose character or convenience? And if you'll do these things that Joseph did, you will keep the wonder alive in the waiting. Mm -hmm.